I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robertson here. You got Oral Roberts there. I'm an Oral Roberts University grad, so I had to put that in the intro. If you if you want a miracle, you've got to expect it. Do you believe in miracles? That would be a question for you. Well, today you're going to meet one. Uh, our guest is Gary Miracle, and yes, that's his real name. He didn't change it for the book. And he's Thank not, you. Yeah. Okay. So that was the first question. I'll just get that out of the way, Gary. Um, just a little backstory. Um, there's a, a great uh, video out there by Mercy Me, a song called Say I Won't. They dropped it uh, December 2020. Uh, it's on an album came out in 2021. And it, it kind of tells Gary's story. So many of you will have seen that. Uh, but Gary is telling his story, uh, the miracle that he needed to save his life, which is probably not what he expected. Uh, miracles can be that way. We'll talk about that. He's got a book that is out uh, tomorrow, in fact. So you Go order it today and get it queued up, sent to you. Called No More Bad Days, just just like this. Looks like this. Uh, but Gary's going to give you a little sneak preview of uh, the things that he's gone through and the things he's learned and how he's uh, living out the miracle that didn't look probably exactly like he asked for. Gary, great to have you on Life Today Live. This is so great, man. <laughs> Thank you for this time and this platform, and I am excited to chat with you. Let's uh, let's start a little bit at uh, the beginning of this part of your story. Uh, and take us back to 2019 um, and let people know what happened so they can see how far you've come. Yeah. So it was the day after Christmas in 2019, uh, December 26th. I, I was feeling sick, quite, quite sick, actually. Uh, it was flu season. I lived down here in central Florida. I, I, well, I guess I'm pretty sure it's probably flu season everywhere the last week of the year. But, uh, you know, it, it was flu season. So last week of the year, doctors, they weren't holding regular hours, my primary care doctor. So I went to the emergency room. And uh, in, in a matter of five days, uh, I went from going to the emergency room one time, being told I had the flu, to uh, five days later, December 31st, New Year's Eve, 2019, I went back to the emergency room for the fourth time. And on the fourth time, they admitted me this time. And then they looked at me, they looked at my family, and they asked, uh, what, what would you like us to do? Uh, they were told, uh, my family was told that I was minute by minute at this point, mm. And they gave me a 1.7% chance to live through New Year's Eve 2019. So. My family was charged to call the rest of my family and all of my friends to come in and say goodbye to me. And I had developed this ridiculous blood infection that just ran rampant throughout my whole body and didn't catch it early enough. And I started falling into septic shock, multi-system organ failure, into a coma, just a lot. Um, but that is 2019 in my life right there. Jeez. So now I'm not the point of the discussion but i'm curious had they did did they miss something that they could have caught earlier that would have you know there there was so much involved in that part of it that you know to to go from feeling sick to 1.7 percent chance to live like what was going on in my body they they even told me at the time like 
even if they would have caught a hundred percent of everything, even on December 26th, it, I was potentially too far gone. Even at that point when I was feeling sick, my body was already starting to shut down. And mm. so I don't know. I don't know the yeah. answer to that. Um, I'm going to say, uh, no, I don't think they could have shut anything down at that point because here I am and I don't believe that God makes mistakes. And <laughs> so I think that whether they could have or should have or would have, they didn't. And that was, uh, that was on purpose. Yeah. I had a, minuscule in comparison situation where I went to a doctor and was like, I'm, my retina is detaching. And he was like, no, nope, looks good. Send me home. Oh. And I almost lost sight in that eye after that. Oh, and, my. And, and I've got imperfect vision on that side because I knew what was going on because it happened in my other years earlier. So, mm. it, it, you know, and that was one of those deals with, with doctors where they're, they're doing their best and maybe there was nothing they could do about it. And you're always kind of wonder, but, it, wondering doesn't help in the aftermath, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so you, what did they just say? Yeah, he's, he's done. Say goodbye. Or did, I mean, they, how did they get to the point? Yeah. Where, it was just uh, very, almost just like that. They, they kind of said, you know, a 1.7% chance to, to survive through the next 24 hours and things were shutting down. And they literally said to my family, call everybody else to come say goodbye and I was minute by minute at mm -hmm. that point. And then they gave my family the dreaded phrase that nobody wants to hear in the hospital. We are just going to make him as comfortable as possible. Right. Right. Um, so that line got dropped on them and, and uh, they were freaking out, you know, to be honest, like I, this is the best part of my story. Cause I was slept through all of this. I was in a coma. So they, everything I'm saying right now could be a complete lie. Like I have no idea. This is just, this is just what they told me happened. So that's what I'm running with. Right. Well, okay. So what, how did they get to the point of deciding that, uh, yeah, we need to amputate. So that, that is a, a God wink actually. So, uh, my, my family started coming in to say goodbye to me at the hospital. And one of them, you know, had this overwhelming feeling that she heard from the Lord that I needed to be on this, this very specific form of life support called the ECMO machine. So, she arrived at the hospital and she told the doctors and nurses that, you know, I, I think Gary needs to be on an ECMO machine. Now, she didn't come just some willy nilly like that. She was actually an emergency room doctor okay. in Orlando, Florida. So okay. she, she knew what she was talking about. She had a little resume behind her in that regards. And uh, they let her know, like, we don't have an ECMO machine here. But if you feel like he needs to be on that so strongly, we will initiate a transfer to any other hospital that you want to go to. So they started doing all the research wow. and they found on New Year's Eve 2018, there were only seven hospitals in the entire state of Florida that had ECMO machines, and one of them happened to be back in Orlando. So they initiated that transfer, and a helicopter came to get me. At this point, it was roughly 11 p.m., so literally one hour before all of us here on the East Coast were about to scream and celebrate Happy New Year. Yeah. I'm being shoved into a helicopter to be life-flighted to a, a different hospital, and I arrived there around around one or 2 a.m. And now we're on January 1st, 2020, which, which I think like that's the best year of all of our lives, right? 2020. <laughs> so like, I just, I'm a very competitive person. So I got a head start. Like I beat everybody to the punch on 2020. So I'm, I'm there and they look at me, they asked the family why I was there. They confirmed the 1.7% chance. And my family said, we're here because we need, he needs to be on ECMO. And they told them that I wasn't a candidate for ECMO. After all of that, Jeez. they told me I wasn't a candidate for the whole reason we were there. Now, 
at hospitals, 7 a.m. is shift change time. So at 7 a.m., the new day shift was clocking in. The first thing they do is their rounds, and they were at my bed. And at 7.18 a.m. on January 1st, 2020, they were at my bed in ICU. I was hooked up to 46 different machines, and all of them at the same time in unison all gave the long, dreaded beep. Mm. And um, they said it was just like out of the movies. Uh, Code blue started coming over all of the speakers. All the other doctors and nurses started flooding into the ICU floor uh, to my bed. This 70 pound soaking wet nurse, you know, just jumps on top of me and just starts King Kong in my chest to try to bring anything back that they could. And, you know, at 729 AM, they found a slight pulse inside of me. So I was lifeless laying on that hospital bed for 11 minutes. And uh, no, I didn't see the light. I didn't see Jesus. I didn't see the, the pearly gates. Um, that, that's always a, a go-to question that people <laughs> right. ask me. Right. But when I got discharged from the hospital, I went straight to the altar just to make sure it was a real deal this time. In case I die again, I want to be, I want to see Jesus. I want to yeah. see the, those lights. But um, when they brought me back at 7.29 a.m., they, they found the slight pulse. They went out to the waiting room to tell my family they found a slight pulse. And the cardiothoracic surgeon that was on call all night went with them. And they said, she said to my family, I'm just now learning about this case. I don't know what to do. We're minute by minute with this guy, but we have a slight pulse. So I'm going to throw up a Hail Mary and put him on something called the ECMO machine. <laughs> and then everything started falling into place and jiving. So they rushed me back into surgery. It was about a five or six hour surgery. But the ECMO machine, why I wasn't a candidate for it is because it's a form of life support that people are put on after they receive a heart transplant or a lung transplant. Okay. And I didn't receive any one of those. I was falling into heart failure, multi-system organ failure, but I didn't have a transplant. So if you're looking at policy over people, right. nope, I was not a candidate for it. But this surgeon went people over policy and we're like, we don't know if it's going to work. But the way that the ECMO machine works is it takes all of the blood and all of the oxygen and all of the circulation from your body and it sucks it all out and it pumps it into your core to keep your other organs running strong while your new heart and your new lungs kick in. Hmm. So <clears throat> most people are on that for like 24 hours, maybe 48 at most. Well, I happened to be on it for 10 days while I was in a coma from January 1st to January 10th. So hmm. for 10 days, my arms and legs just started dying. They weren't receiving any blood or oxygen or circulation. So my family had to make that choice on my behalf while I was in my coma. Do I lose my life or do I lose my limbs? Oh. And, and they looked at the doctors and they said, we'll take them back however you can give them to us. <laughs> so they made that decision on my behalf. And here I am uh, talking with you. Half the man I used to be is what I like to say. Uh, in, so in regards. For, so from the knees down, elbows down, you, you lost. Yes. Yep. I am. I'm below the knee on both legs and, and below the elbows on both arms. And, and that's a huge answer to prayer because had they done the amputations while I was in the coma, they would have been above my knees and above my elbows on both. But they let us wait as long as we could. Actually, two months. I didn't get the amputations done till mid-March, but um, they were able, able to salvage all four of my joints, which makes your quality of life drastically different, much better for prosthetic purposes if you have your joints. So I'm very thankful for that. Okay, so you're saying a few things. You're talking about better quality of life. You're talking about being thankful. Um, that's not what most people associate with a guy who's you know, lost his mm. his you don't have hands or feet, but you, your attitude is not one of loss or woe is me. 
what God do in your life through all of this to give you, as the title of the book says, no more bad days. I mean, yeah, it seems like every day would be a, at least inconvenient. Some of them are hard. I'm not going to lie. You know, this, this no more bad days thing, you know, it's not, it's not some religious jargon detachment of reality. Like I get we're in hard situations, difficult circumstances, like whatever the case may be. But listen, if scripture's true and his mercies are new every day, then I can lay my head on my pillow at the end of every day and saying, today's no more bad days in my life. And, you know, it's just, it's just my anthem right now. And, uh, you know, I, I want to live that, but, but what got me, you know, I went about two years prior to this medical trauma that, that, that I lived through, I went through, I think what you would call a little bit of an identity crisis where I was trying to figure out who I was and Christ and who Christ was to me. And I realized up until that point in my life, I had kind of taken on the faith of my parents. I grew up in the church, Christian family, and I didn't, I, I was, I was riding their coattails on their faith. And I, that never hit me until I was around 36, 37 years old. So I went through that. And then this happened, which praise God, I went through that because without that foundation of, of who you are in Christ, going through something like this would be much different, much more difficult in my mind. And I remember laying there on the morning of March 18th when they were about to wheel me back for my hand amputations. And I promise you this, like, I love Jesus with all my, my, my everything, but I'm not some super Christian who's just going to give you the Sunday school answers and speak this Christianese language all the time. Like, I want to be real. I want to be authentic and genuine. And I remember waking up on the morning of March 18th, hours before they wheeled me back for both of my hands to be cut off. And I remember looking at my dad and I, and the only thing that came to my mind was the verse in the book of Job chapter one and verse 21 that says the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Mm. And for 39 years of my life, the Lord gave me hands and feet. And right now in my life, it is just taking away time. It, it's just time for him to take away. And and how dare I serve a God where I'm so thankful and blessed when he gives, but then I turn my back on him or get mad at him when he takes away. Mm. Like I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. And, you know, that's the stance that I'm riding on right now. That's I'm riding that wave and you know, there may be a day where I get really angry and I bite my pillow and I want to curse at God and do all those things. But I hope that that day never comes and, and it hasn't come yet. So by his grace, I'm, 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 I'm okay right now. Wow, dude. Uh, <laughs> that, that means, that means a lot. I mean, you're, hmm. you, uh, you're not just, forgive the phrase, you're not just talking the talk, you're walking the walk, even though walking is not an easy thing for you. Uh, I want to show people the book real quick. This is No More Bad Days by Gary Miracle. Uh, officially out tomorrow, uh, but you can go order it today wherever you get books. Go ahead and do that. Um, what does a good day look like for you? You know, I this is what I've come to realize. You know, as far as this whole like good day, bad day kind of kind of mentality is, what I've learned through through what I get to do now, which is just this, I just get to talk to people and, and share my story with people and hope that it will encourage you or motivate you or inspire you, or more importantly, just get you to love Jesus, you know, for the first time or for the millionth time, you know, based on where you're at in life. But what I've learned through through being able to share my story is that listen, like the only day, like we all have struggles. Every we all struggle with something. Like if you're not struggling with something right now, like 
good for you, but buckle up. Like I'm going to be a Debbie Downer for a second. Like it's probably coming sooner than later. So, but I'd venture to say that the only difference between me and, and anybody watching or listening right now is that my struggles are very, very visible. Like you can see them. You could see that if you're sitting here with me right now and, and I have a, I have a, a can of water next to me if, and I tried to pick that up, you would see how difficult that would be for me to do. Like you would see my struggles and my struggles are just visible. But what I've learned is, you know, it's those internal struggles, those invisible struggles, not the visible ones, but the invisible struggles are the ones that can kill us the most mm -hmm. from the inside out. Way more than septic shock can, way more than multi-system organ failure can, but anxiety can and depression can and, and finances can and, and marriages and relationships can. Like those struggles are very, very real in life. And, you know, like I'd mentioned about about me picking up this cup and you seeing my struggle, there's a really good chance if you came out to dinner with me tonight at some point throughout the meal, I, I'm probably going to drop my fork. Like it's a hand <laughs> thing you wouldn't understand, but uh, you know, it's a hand thing. I'm probably going to drop my fork. And I guarantee you this, I guarantee you that you or anybody else out there with, with joy in your heart and a smile on your face, probably maybe even to save me some embarrassment, you would probably pick, bend over and pick up my fork and hand it back to me. Sure. Like, and we would move on like, but listen, like if I don't know what your struggle is, if I don't know who you really are, if I don't know what you're struggling with on any given day, then, then I don't know how to pick up your fork and hand it back to you. And I spent 39 years thinking that I would be judged for the sharing of my struggles, for the sharing of my sins, mm. for telling people who I really am, what I'm really thinking about the joke I really made, what I really looked at on the internet this morning. Like, I thought I would be judged for all that, but I'm here loud and proud telling you I've never been more loved in all of my life through the sharing of my struggles, both visible and invisible. What I'm finding is more and more people raising their hands saying, me too. I've just never had the courage to say it out loud, but if you're going to say it first, then I'll join you kind of thing. So, you know, my prayer is that everybody can find one person in your life that you can risk it with and be brave enough with and vulnerable to tell them who you really are. And if iron sharpens iron, and if we're two or more are gathered, if all those things are really true, then Christ is going to show up in those moments and, and be there through the sharing of who we really are and not hiding. If, if sin and struggle finds its power in our lives when it's hidden, then let's not hide anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, what you're saying is what Jesus said. He said, do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather mm -hmm. fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell and uh you've lost a little bit of your body but your soul is thriving and i and i can tell that uh and, and that's a beautiful thing i would pick up your fork any day of the week all right well listen if will you also buy dinner too because uh, yeah. you can come anytime I, I would i will say this if you if you try to do chopsticks i'm out okay so, uh, <laughs> Yeah. Um, nobody should be eating rice with, with sticks. That's just nobody not should natural. be eating rice with not sticks natural. with no hands. <laughs> so explain. So I mentioned earlier, and by the way, if you're watching this and you haven't seen Mercy Me's Say I Won't, mm -hmm. just go on wherever you watch, you know, YouTube or wherever, and Google Say I Won't Mercy Me. And I'm, I'm telling you, the first time I saw this dude, I think I was in my office, like in tears. Mm -hmm. um, explain that connection. Yeah, I, I was in 2000, 
I was Mercy Me's very first employee. <laughs> they they hired me to sell their T-shirts nice. on their that at their concerts. They, they listen. If you talk to them ever, they'll tell you I was their worst merchandise person they've ever had <laughs> in, in the history of the band. I maybe I don't know. I was the best looking one, is what I tell them. Like so, I I, I roll with that. But uh, you know those guys. You know, even when my employment with them ended, the relationship stayed and they've just become family to me. And, you know, I, I joke with them a, a lot that it took 23 years and it cost me an arm and a leg, but they finally wrote a song about me uh, and, and they did. So I was in the hospital and Bart was writing this song called Say I Won't. And he actually turned it into the record label and they hated it. They thought it was too aggressive of a song for a Christian to be singing. So he just, he, he put it on really? the back burner. Yeah. No. They were like, no Christian should be like in your face and say, I won't do this. Say, I won't do that. And Bart was like, okay, hang on a second. So uh, Bart actually went through my identity crisis with me. You know, he had just gone through that as well. And that's when the movie I can only imagine came out. And, you know, it talks about his version of what he went through. So he walked through about a six month process with me in, in that regard. And, and, and then he writes the song called say, I won't. And he calls me in October of 2020 and he's like, Hey, we wrote this new song. We want you to hear it. So he sends it to me and I, I, I listened to it and I am ugly crying. Like it was like, not okay to be next to me in that moment. Like it was, it was rough. So he calls me back. He's like, what did you think? And I'm like, oh, it was good. And I, like whatever I could say at that moment, he's like, did you pick up on anything? And I'm like, no, it was just a really good song. So, he started walking me through it and there are some lines in the first verse of the song like like i'm looking at life through a different set of lenses and, and driving 35 with a rocket inside i didn't know what i had and you know those are all all lines and sentences and, and uh, about our about our identity and about grace and the what's more personal is those were actual text messages lines from our text messages that bart and i would send back and forth to each other wow five six years ago wow. which it's it's so personal but they wrote the song and it was more of an anthem. Bart tells the story. He wrote the foreword to the book for me of No More Bad Days. And, and he talks about after the record label turned it down, he picked it back up and it just kind of rewrote itself based on my journey and, and the hospital stay. And, uh, and after I listened to it, he asked me if I would trust them enough to tell my story in their music video. And and, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to use my story. I just knew I wanted to in some way so that it wouldn't go in vain. And before you know it, a week later, I'm on an airplane going to Nashville. And then a month later, December 4th, 2020 hits and the video drops and it's it's gone crazy. Oh. I think it's got a little over 7 million views right now. Oh, more than that. Um, it's, it's been unbelievable. And before you know it, I'm getting calls and you know, I'm trying to figure out what life is like and how to put a T-shirt on as fast as I can so that I can roll out of my wheelchair to get on like Fox and Friends and Good Morning America and stuff like that. I'm like, man, you guys like you have no idea that I'm I'm on, on the other side of this iPad, you know, sweating and crying because I can't fill up a cup with water. And now I'm on national television. It was just a whirlwind for me. Um, I didn't really know what to expect to come of it or anything like that, but here we are out of it. And the, the book has been birthed out of that. It's, it's been surreal for me. You, uh, you got a photo right behind you. Uh, I do. Because yeah. Right. Okay. Then, yeah. So part of the, the good days, obviously, um, are, are the people in that photo. Uh, mm. what, what's it been like with your family since, uh, you've, you've, 
you're you're walking through looking at life through a different lens yeah it's been a roller coaster for me uh shortly after i got discharged from the hospital uh, my wife at the time decided to go a different path so the lord continued to take away even after i was discharged from the hospital and that's another very sad part of my story Um, it's another part of life but a year and a half went by and I met this incredible woman. Her name is Jenna, who chose me like this, who chose me um, with no hands and legs, who chose me, you know, because she chose to love me and she still chooses to love me every day. And now we have this beautiful, crazy circus of a blended family that we have. So we have, I have four children, three biological boys, and my daughter who is adopted from Columbia, South America, and Jenna has three children. So there are seven kids um, under the miracle roof, and it is a lot, but it is life to me. And, you know, the fact that I still get to be here to be a dad to these kids, and I get to be here to be a husband to my new wife, Jenna, which today is our one year anniversary of our wedding ring exchange our our ceremony that we had so we're celebrating our anniversary today as well through this and god has just been so good giving back the whole time he's been taking away and just refining me and 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 undoing me and 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 you know making something out of nothing really is what i say about what he's doing with my life and i'm so thankful for it you the 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 one i mean job's a hard book to read uh, but when we hit those times, we can relate. But what's interesting is when you read the, to, all the way to the end, and I, I don't understand the takeaway part. I really don't. Um, but I, I like the restoring multiple times over part, <laughs> right? Um, and so, you know, whatever we face, I don't know, man. I don't have all the all of the specific answers, but at the end of the day, Jesus is the answer, regardless mm. of what it is. Uh, and and man, I love I love that you're sharing your story. I'm sorry for the pain you've had to go through and have to continue to deal with, uh, both both physical and relational and emotional. And but man, thank you for at least pointing us all to Christ through it all, because at the end yeah. of the day, it, it's hopeless without Him. So. The, the hope that you're offering is really, it's, it means a lot. Thank you, man. I, I, I thank you that, that, that is so encouraging. And, you know, I, I tell people about the Job, like if you haven't read the book of Job, like don't, it's an awful book. I'm just kidding. <laughs> read your Bible people. Right, right. Um, but you know, when I was 11 years old on October 6th, actually, so I just celebrated my, my anniversary of my salvation birthday as well this mm-hmm. last Friday, mm-hmm. but when I was uh, 11 years old, I was told that Jesus is the answer. And I'm sitting here at 42 years old right now. And I think the one thing that I've learned is true is that Jesus is the answer. And I've spent so many years trying to, you know, fit a square peg through a circle hole kind of thing, you know, trying to figure out life outside of him, thinking I could do it better. (laughs) And that was an utter miserable failure. So here I am. And his grace has, has been sufficient for me. And Man, I just I just want people to know that God is so good. Like if listen, if I wished or if you wish that anything was different about our lives, 
then that means we're taking the stance that Christ is doing a bad job and that he didn't have it all figured out and that he didn't plan our steps and that he didn't make a way. And that's not a stance that I'm willing to take when that line in the sand moment, like God is good. God is so good. And it doesn't matter what we're going through. doesn't matter where we're at. You know, there's a, there's a line in one of the casting crown songs that says your world's not falling apart. It's falling into place. And, and I don't want to wish anything away. I don't want to, you know, hope that something's different or, or circumstances go away or, or anything like that, because I think he loves us way too much to leave us here. Mm-hmm. And just for that simple fact alone, he's so good. He's so good. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to shout that from the rooftops that it doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what you've lost. It doesn't matter what you're, what fire you're walking through right now. God is really good and he's crazy about you. He's madly in love with you and there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. So if, if I can accomplish that message, then I would do this all over again. Hmm. Ooh, okay. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. I mean, you know, um, but it's, it's great. Uh, and, and I love, I love where you're at. Um, and I love, I love the, the inspiration that you're providing to people, get people looking at Jesus, you know, the, the, the bit about all things working for good, you know, together the love of the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Um, it's not that he takes the good and makes good out of it. There ain't no miracle in that. It's that he takes the bad. And I don't think he causes the bad. I think a lot of times it can be ourselves. It can be the world we live in. Stuff happens. But no matter how bad it is, he can take it and redeem it for good. And I, and I, love, I love the redemption work he's doing in you, Gary. Thank you so much, man. Amen. He's good. He is. Did I, uh, did I miss anything? I want to show people your website, but if there's anything I missed, uh, please let me know. But uh, GaryMiracle.com, you can go check him out there. And, of course, the book, it's called No More Bad Days. It's available wherever you get book. Uh, last word from you, Gary. Man, thank you for this time. I am I'm so encouraged. I'm so honored by this. You know, I and if if my life can, like I said, get you to know Jesus for the first time or the millionth time, then this will all be worth it. So thank you for this platform. Uh, I would love for people to to check out GaryMiracle.com. All my social sites are on there. You can contact me on there. My, my calendar's on there. I'm getting on an airplane in oh, yeah. 24 hours. I'm headed to Vegas. I'm going to speak a couple times there this weekend. So if you're in or around the Vegas area, come on, come over and, and check us out. So. Yep. You know, we're there. I'd love to connect in any way that I can. I'll, I'll, I'll be there later this month, uh, ah. but uh, I'm going to I'm going to the Sphere to see a little. Baby. I'll be there Wednesday night. Are you doing it Wednesday night? I'll be there Wednesday night. Oh. See you too. Okay, very cool. <laughs> yeah. So still some. Oh, you get to do some great things. This is. Yeah. It's pretty fun. Like I'm not. I'm not complaining. Right? <laughs> I mean, I do because I'm a man, and that's what we do. I think, but. I've, Right. I'm not complaining about going to see you too. I'm complaining about eating healthy and doing the dishes. <laughs> <laughs> still, yeah. Hey, people, we're, we're still people. Uh, all of us, this Jesus people, are still people. It's just that That's we go, right. you know what? No matter what you're going through, Jesus is there. It ain't all going to be good, but he's going to be with you through it all. Amen. And that's good news. Appreciate you guys being here. Check out No More Bad Days and come back. We've got more for you right here on Life Today Live. Hit that share button. Go check out Mercy Me. Say I won't. See you again next time.